Hi there, you are listening to the Praying Christian Women podcast. We are glad that you joined us. I am Alana here with Jamie. How are you, Jamie? Hey, doing well. The sun is shining and it's summer. It's summer finally. <laughs> I know. Happy summer to you. Happy summer to everybody listening. And I hope that things are going well for everybody. I'm excited about today's topic for sure. Yeah. And, you know, this is one that's kind of near and dear to my heart. I, I have a funny story about it. So I could start off by telling the story real quick. Um, well, how about this? Let's do a just for fun question and I will include my story. Um, okay. Have you ever had an experience? We're going to be talking today about toxic positivity. So this idea that there is such a thing as being too positive and how that how that like aligns with our prayer lives and the way we view God. And um, so have you ever had a situation where either you've been toxically positive or like fallen into that trap or you've known someone that is and it's just kind of been like, well, yeah, so I don't know. I don't love the phrase toxic positivity. I think I get where it comes from. And I absolutely, so here's what I see as a bad form of trying to be positive. It's that you're, uh, I don't know, you're coffee machine has just broken and you're devastated because, you know, we try to keep our hypotheticals, not horrific, like your child (laughs) getting kidnapped or something. So your coffee machine is broken. You are absolutely devastated. And instead of me sitting with you or praying with you or allowing you to be in that deep space of sadness or grief or anger or despair or any of those emotions, I just say, well, you know, God has a reason. And I make you out to feel like if you're still sad about this, then there's something wrong with your relationship with God. So if that's what we're defining toxic positivity as, then I'm all in. However, I don't know that we can be, there's, there's also part of me and maybe I'm just too Pollyanna. There's part of me that's like, well, how can you be too positive? Right. Maybe we're the wrong ones to be addressing this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so I think that it's different. I think that if, you are giving yourself a pep talk and it works for you, then I say go for it. But I do feel like, yeah, if you're trying to rush somebody else through a grieving process or you're trying to get them to act more respectable because you don't like those big emotions, then yeah, that's not not ideal. But I don't know. There's something about toxic positivity just as a phrase that I don't love a hundred percent because I think that there is a place to be hopeful and optimistic. So I would say as long as we're making a delineation between, am I forcing you to be positive when you're just not feeling it? Or like, am I just an optimistic person by nature? (laughs) Right. Which I think is, is fine. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's good. Um, Then we're on the same page. Yeah, no, I'm definitely on that page. And, you know, I do think that there are times when you can like force your own positivity to the detriment of being in touch with your emotions and your, um, mm-hmm. and your, your ability to grieve. Like, I think we yeah. can coast, but, but in general, mm-hmm. I totally see. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. I, I wonder if we could maybe in the course of this conversation, come up with a better word than toxic that would positivity. Be wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Because in a way it almost feels like when, when you take it to its worst, it feels like, Oh, why are you so happy? 
as opposed to, do you get what I'm saying? Almost as if like just being a happy, joyful person is wrong or trying to spread happiness and joy. Like if I wake up and my roommate's not a morning person and I smile at my roommate and say, good morning. And she's like, I can't believe you're so toxically positive. Like to me, that's not really, that's just someone being grouchy. Right. Being offensive, like being positive can be offensive to people sometimes if they don't want to be happy. And, yeah, well, and even know. the Bible talks about it. What's it in Proverbs? It's something like a cheerful song sung too early in the morning is taken as a curse. Like, Ooh, I, that I would have that. been a perfect verse of the day. <laughs> that would be a verse, that our for verse the day. of the day. <laughs> so, I mean, I get it, but I also, I think the pendulum maybe has swung a tiny bit too far yeah. so that people almost feel like, oh, I shouldn't be happy at all or something like that. And and I don't agree with that either. I don't agree either. But well, tell can, us your story. Well, so my story, I, when my husband and I had first gotten married, it was like, I think within the first year of marriage, maybe first one or two years. And we went to meet his family. Well, I guess we had met them, but we went to visit them for the first time on our own as a married couple um, in Kansas city. And I was a little nervous because I was going to be meeting a lot of family members. And I just, I do have a tendency when I meet people to like, I don't know, I don't know how to put it, but I really, I'm so self-conscious. I'm a very Mm self-conscious person. So I think I put on kind of a, like, I don't know. You're a hundred percent on. I'm on. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm just really not wanting to say anything wrong or be Mm -hmm. perceived. So I just remember we had a lot of car trouble. Like when we got there, um, I forget what exactly was wrong, but it was something that took like a really long time to fix. And we ended up having to stay there like an extra three or four days, I think, because we had to have this part fixed and they had to order it and all this. I was missing work. He was missing work. And so it was not an ideal situation, but I just remember like even looking back, have you ever just looked back on yourself when you were younger and just been like, oh my goodness, ill? And I, mm-hmm. I was, I was way over the top positive. I think on one hand, I was just trying to be perfect and right. and not show any cracks in the armor. Um, maybe I was trying to make sure that everyone knew that I trusted God in the situation or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was, but I was just definitely a little over the top. And I remember even his cousins were just kind of like laughing. They're like, Oh yeah, this is a blessing in disguise. Miss, miss uh, optimistic. <laughs> and I was uh-huh. just, I look back and I think, yeah, I was over the top. And I don't know if that would be considered toxically positive, but what it reminds me of in my marriage is something that I think we all need to definitely kind of be on guard. And me, especially, um, my husband and I joke that I, he calls me Pollyanna sometimes. And, Mm -hmm. and he says, I'm not a pessimist. I'm an optimist with experience, or sometimes he'll say, (laughs) or I'm a realist, you know, things Mm -hmm. like that. Like, and I will say that definitely I'm sure that he would agree. He, he can be a negative person. Sometimes he'll tell Mm -hmm. you that he's like, yeah, I can be negative. I can look on the dark Mm -hmm. side sometimes. Right. And I can be the opposite. And when you put two people together that are naturally negative and naturally positive, they don't like necessarily counter each other. They sometimes when he's being negative, 
I feel like I need to compensate his negativity with my positivity. And I you dig in deeper. (laughs) Yeah. Like I dig the heels in and I think he feels the same way. And so it's not always a good dynamic. So that can be toxic when I'm not giving him space to lament. If I'm not giving him space to just vent, you know, and I'm because I know he's prone to go that way. I will sometimes just stop any hint of complaining with probably an annoying counter of, well, you know, be mm. worse or, oh, well, you know, we have all these blessings. How could you even think about being negative? And that is not helping anybody. That's actually mm-hmm. sounding and being self-righteous. And when I look at my own motives, I can't speak for anyone else who's a positive person, but I know that my own motives aren't always pure. Sometimes it's I'm better than you because I'm positive and you're not as good as me because you tend to be more negative. And that's not the case. There are times when I gloss over things and even in myself, like I said, I can prevent myself from feeling feelings sometimes or from expressing those feelings to God even, I think, because I feel like I shouldn't have bad feelings sometimes because Mm -hmm. I think, oh, I should always be happy. So I hope that makes sense. But the funny story is, The next, you know, anytime, you know, I talk to the cousins, I'm sure if I brought up the, you know, car breaking down, we would all Mm -hmm. have a good laugh about it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think that, um, sorry, totally lost my train of thought. (laughs) I'm glad I'm not the only one. It has been such a weird week where I'm just like, I feel like my brain is like perpetual foggy. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, what was it? It came and then it went and then it came back. I think that in a way, maybe even instead of calling it toxically positive, like there is, there's definitely an annoying, like I'm annoyingly positive, <laughs> but let me reframe it for you. And, and you tell me, because I know you and I know that too much negativity in your kind of close inner circle, like if too much negativity does come through your armor, it is going to impact you. And so I don't think that the digging your heels is always, I I think it makes sense as a first reaction, right? If somebody's coming at you with 20 negative things and you're an empathetic person. And so you know that if you don't do something, you're going to just kind of absorb that negativity. I think it makes a lot of sense that you would come back with, oh, but this, this, and this. And I, I think- you know, I don't know that that's toxic. I think that that's just with maturity, you realize, okay, well, maybe I can give myself these kinds of pep talks and I don't have to, <laughs> I don't have to share it with my husband. Right? right. I don't, I can allow, I think this is a sign of when you are an optimist and a positive person, but you've reached a sense of maturity is you're still comfortable with people around you being negative and you don't feel like it's your duty to change them. And also you don't allow yourself to get sucked down into their negativity and spiral into their negativity, but you can still be positive. Like you can still give yourself those inner pep talks. That's really, I think that's a really good way to look at it is being in being more of a positive person. You do need to mature in the way that you engage with others Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with that positivity. And it's like anything, it's the art of conversation. It's the art of friendship. It's all that, you know, being able to read the room, 
Yes, that's a know, big one. Know your spouse or your friend mm-hmm. or your coworkers or whatever it is and and try and be more temperate. Um, I think that when you're um, like timing is everything. Mm-hmm. So what I've learned and I try but don't always succeed at is with my husband and I being so different, I don't do the positive thing as much when we're in the thick of him feeling bad about something. Like mm-hmm. if he's feeling bad about something um, and just for the record, I can get really, really negative on myself. Like that's the one yeah. area of my life where I can get really down on myself where he has to be the one to be like, I just, I can't mm. listen to this anymore. You can't talk Aww, about yourself. Yeah. You know? So I'm not, I'm not always the positive one, but when we do have these times when I definitely have a more positive outlook, um, I feel like, one of the ways that I can support him is a just praying for him, praying for him yeah. to see truth, because some of the things he says when he's feeling negative are definitely mm-hmm. true, but some of them aren't. And so my my I like praying for him in the moment rather than spewing forth uh, positive words yeah. mm-hmm. is, I think, way more effective. And then like when the moment has passed maybe later that day, maybe another day altogether, just kind of talking through some of the things in a way that's a little bit more uh, neutral. I don't know. It's like, you're not in the moment. It's not his negativity versus my positivity. It's right. You know, when you were talking the other day, when you were feeling really down, I just, it just occurred to me that, you know, just remember this, 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 and this, if Mm -hmm. it's the right time for it, it's not always the right time. And maybe it will never be the right time for certain subjects, but yeah, I would just say the timing is good, but prayer in that moment is so much more effective, I think, because Sometimes with negativity, we're fighting a spiritual battle. Sometimes we're not though. And, and Mm -hmm. either way though, I think the best prayer to pray for me that I've found is just pray that God would reveal truth and that lies would be silenced. Cause I do think that when we're in a negative frame of mind, that's when the enemy can really, um, like plant more lies. I know for me when I'm like flipping the script, cause I can also be toxically negative uh, about myself sometimes. And when I'm already having the emotions of negativity, that's when like these thoughts that I never co- would have probably conjured up on my own start popping mm-hmm. into my head. And I'm like, where did that come from? And some right. of that might be spiritual. So yeah, prayer is always a good, like first line of defense and timing can be everything. Yeah. Well, and I think that when we talk about our prayer lives, there is a sense of maybe like fake positivity is a better phrase in my mind. Mm -hmm. So if you're censoring your prayers because you feel like you are not allowed to bring your disappointments or your anger or your sadness or your grief or your despair to God, then yeah, the uh, temptation is going to be, yeah, God, it really stinks that my best friend stole my coffee maker, but I love her anyway. And I love you. And if that is truly where you are, then wonderful, right? If somebody hurts you and you are truly able to say, wow, God, that hurt, but I forgive them. And I want to pray blessings over them. And I want to pray for you to continue to bind up my heart. Perfect. 
if where you're at is, I can't believe this happened to me. I am so mad, period. That is an okay prayer to, um, to pray as well. And I used to do this thing where I would allow myself to start negative, but I always had to finish my prayer positive. So it'd be like, God, I feel um, really stressed out because my kids are sick and I'm worried about their health, but I know you are going to take care of us. And I know that whatever happens, you are good. Okay. In general, I don't think that's a bad way to pray. We've talked about that in our prayers of gratitude, right? The even though prayers, this Mm -hmm. bad thing is happening. And even though this bad thing is happening, I am giving you thanks. But if you are genuinely not at that place, I think that it's now, and I, and I still get uncomfortable with this. I think it is okay. Again, this is me talking more on the theoretical, because I don't know that I'm like spiritually a hundred percent there and do this all the time, but theoretically I'm to the point where I recognize sometimes we can just pray prayers of lament, right? There are a lot of Psalms that talk about how bad things are and how the Psalmist trusts in God. There were some Psalms that just talk about how bad things are. And I think that maybe instead of framing it in, are you a positive person or are you a negative? Are you praying positively or toxically? Maybe we just need to reframe it as, are you being a hundred percent authentic to where you are at at this moment? Or are you trying to put your Sunday school best on for God? I think that's so important. And it, it is in every aspect of prayer, being transparent with God. And like, I'll never, I always think about this when I, when I talk about transparency in prayer, I remember being a little kid and I don't remember I had done something wrong and I ran outside and I like, there was this, I mean, I lived in the suburbs. We had our, our, our houses were very close next to each other and there, it wasn't like I had a lot of space to run. And I just remember running on the side of the house to the, the place of our property that I felt was the most secluded, I guess it was against a brick wall. And I mean, mm-hmm. the neighbor's house was right there, but I just like right. myself in this little corner where the little, like an, a little outcropping was and I was trying to hide from God. Like I, I remember that thought. I don't had know. Had you done something wrong? Yeah, I had done something wrong. I don't remember what I had done. I wasn't hiding from my parents, but I was like hiding from God. And then I just, I, it, I just remember that thought. And I was like, I think he can still see me. And, but it's this idea that he always sees you. He sees your heart, your it's motives. Adorable. He sees, I mean, I even see when I'm praying to God, sometimes I'll, I, I catch myself trying to butter him up, you know, for yeah. something like, oh mm-hmm. God you know, starting off with these good things and he knows, he knows what the motives are. And exactly. And it It's so freeing. Like when you come to that place, it's scary at first to be laid bare and to know that, but like, it's freeing because then you're like, but he still loves me. Like he sees all of it. And he's still like, I just picture him kind of, you know, shaking his head and laughing. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead and hide. But <laughs> you can't hide and don't feel like you have to even the ugliest parts because he knew all of that and Jesus still died right. for all of us. So, um, but when I just think about that transparency and prayer being so important, it really is. And, and the, the things that are, you know, if we're going to use the word toxic at all, the things that can be toxic in my prayer life are when I feel guilty because I feel like I have to always, I I feel ungrateful. That's what it is, is Mm -hmm. I know the truth that every breath I take is a gift and that, you know, there's so much to be grateful for. 
And so I feel like I'm being ungrateful when I'm mm-hmm. lamenting or basically right. not even lamenting. Like, I feel like if a tragedy struck, I would feel okay with going to God with, with my grief. But when, I don't know, I get sick before a trip or mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, have what you consider a small thing, yeah. small financial issues that, you know, doesn't mean there's not a roof over our head anymore. Right. You know, I feel ungrateful expressing that. Mm-hmm. And so I think we've got to get past that and yeah. find that balance. Like we can, we have to, with everything, it's all about balance, but there is definitely a time, like, what would you say if you have kind of a picture in your mind of what would you say is a good balance between being transparent, being real with God about those struggles, about those feelings, and then like affirming truth, even when you don't feel it inside, whether oh, it's that's a such a good question. Yeah. 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 Because we want to be authentic, but I don't think, I think the Bible per- gives us so much permission and freedom to grieve and to despair and to be angry about injustices. But I also don't believe it gives us Maybe permission's not the right word, but I don't think we're intended to dwell in that indefinitely and permanently. So that is a balance. And I don't know, in that case, I really feel like in for me, if I'm picturing myself like, do I do I just kind of vomit my prayer of lament out to God or do I try to clean it up? And, you know, bring some joy and some hope into it where I fall in that is I just kind of, I start with where I'm at and then I let God shape the prayer. Oh, I and love that. Sometimes, That's, yeah, yeah. sometimes, you know, like I picture us comforting our kids, right? Mm-hmm. So like we both have uh, the school year just ended. We have high school seniors now. Let's just Gulp. put ourselves in a hypothet. I know a hypothetical situation. They have their heart set on going to school A. They get a rejection letter from that school. Okay, you and I can't fix that. We can't call up the admissions office and say, "Hey, you made a mistake." Similarly, even though we do have a bigger picture, right? We can see, okay, that obviously wasn't where God wanted you. He's going to open another door for you. Um, there's so many more opportunities. You're young. You have your whole life ahead of you. We know all that. But stating that at that moment might do nothing, right? So as a parent, we sometimes know, is it time for me to give my child a pep talk? Or is it my job to just let my kid cry and be really, really sad about things, right? Like I remember I had applied early admissions to um, a medical college when I was, I think you applied like your sophomore year of undergrad. And if you got in, you know, you, you basically were just guaranteed admissions into the medical school and you didn't have to, you know, worry all that much. And, um, I got to the interview. They, they really liked me. I, I thought that I was like as close to being a shoe in as was possible. And then I didn't get it. And I was home on Christmas break when I got my rejection mm. letter and my mom was just very compassionate. She, she didn't say a single thing. So like I got the letter Showed it to my mom. I didn't get in. I just went up to my room and I I had a little piano up there. I was just kind of playing quietly on the piano and, you know, crying a little bit. And like 10 minutes later, she just kind of came in very quietly and gently. And she just put her arm around me and just, I cried for 10 minutes or so. And 
And then she just gave me a squeeze. And I don't, I don't think she said a single thing. And sometimes as parents or as friends or as spouses or as prayer partners, the best thing we do is just to sit with someone in their disappointment. Mm-hmm. Now, 20 months later, if I was crying every single day about that college, it might make sense for my mom to appeal to kind of my logical brain, be like, you know, there are other schools out there, <laughs> right? So I think in a way we just, we need to be discerning with ourselves too. And just remember God's uh, like the perfect parent. And so he's going to know what we need. He knows if we just need comfort and a shoulder to cry on, or if we kind of do need that little bit of a pep talk. And so in that case, I just, I would say, yeah, start with where you are in your prayer and then trust that God will just kind of shape the prayer. If the prayer turns into, this is so disappointing, but I know that you've got great plans for me, then trust that that's the encouragement God is giving you. But I don't think you should force it necessarily like if you're really not feeling it. And then sometimes maybe it's just, I'm going to sit with my sadness with God and that's going to be my prayer. I know this is not going to last forever, but right now I do not want to rush myself into just avoiding this icky feeling. Cause a lot of us do that, right? I think that's why positivity has a little bit of a bad rap is it can look like avoidance behavior or especially like the example we talked about at the very beginning, it can look like I'm uncomfortable with your sadness. So I'm just going to throw out a platitude and expect that to make everything better. Yeah. Well, I just, I really love that picture of, you know, your mom and just that, that idea of God, like opening ourselves up Mm -hmm. in prayer to God shaping our prayers. I think that is, that's one of my favorite parts of prayer that I've, kind of discovered through our time talking about prayer mm-hmm. on the podcast mm-hmm. um, is just this idea of like, and I, one of your books, I think it's, it's one of the Kennedy books where they're in the mm-hmm. hospital and mm-hmm. Sandy's like praying and like, they're all praying for Carl to get better. Yeah. And, but, and it, it's this great illustration of this time when people are starting to pray in one way and God yeah. shapes their prayers as they pray. And I love that. That's such a great experience. And I think we need to be open to that for it mm-hmm. to really, you know, not always, sometimes God will just do it. But I think if you approach any kind of lament or any kind of disappointment um, with that idea in your head, yeah. just that like possibility of mm-hmm. God shape my prayers teach yeah. me how to pray. Like, teach me what you <laughs> want me to say in this. And like you said, start off with your raw feelings yeah. and see what happens. It's also biblical when you were talking earlier about how you kind of start off sometimes with like the feelings and the negative, what if you'd call it negative, just the, the, mm-hmm. the pain or the disappointment. Yeah. And then you kind of end with something positive. I mean, that's kind of biblical when you read a lot of the mm-hmm. Psalms of David, He starts off very raw and very in pain Mm -hmm. and then ends with, and yet, and then just this time of Mm -hmm. praise and thanksgiving for who God is and what he's done. Um, You know, that, that can be powerful too, but anyway, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And then every so often there's a Psalm, like one of the Psalms ends with like, everybody has deserted me and the darkness is my closest friend. Amen. Period. Amen. Yikes. Okay. There's a time and a season (laughs) for everything. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. This is, it's a little bit of a strange topic because 
I am in my own personality, like super positive, super optimistic, but I also am trying to defend people's rights to not have positivity shoved down their throats because it, it can be used as, um, I think best case scenario, Christians use it just because they don't know how to sit with someone in their pain. They think they're doing the right thing, right? It would be as if my mom was so upset that I was crying that she decided she would say anything that she could think of to try to get me to stop crying. When really right then I just needed someone to be okay with me crying and to understand this was like, not just melodramatic. It was probably like top two or three disappointments of my life to that point. Like that had really been what my heart had been set on. And it had been my goal for a couple of years by then. Um, And I had gone into and come out of the interview feeling so good about it. So yeah, again, as parents now we have more, perspective, right? I know that my mom understood that that was not like a soul crushing rejection, like it felt at the time, but she also knew it wasn't time for me to be reasoned out of feeling sad. Mm -hmm. Well, one, uh, I think one other element of the idea of being positive in a way that could be negative, (laughs) um, is, when we try to, it, we feel like we have to defend God. And yeah. there have been times when I've noticed, like if I'm talking to someone that I know either is hostile toward God or doesn't believe in God, if something, uh, or even a Christian that's struggling, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. I just feel like sometimes there's this temptation to always give an answer for why something happened Mm -hmm. and be Mm -hmm. like, Oh, but God could be doing this because of this. And especially as I was a young Christian, I remember kind of doing this, whether it was in my head or to other people where it's like, well, you know, something bad happens and it's like, well, you know, God could Mm -hmm. be doing this and, you know, using that, you know, in all things, God is at work, which is an absolute truth. There's nothing wrong with that, Mm -hmm. but to try and justify or rationalize why God may be allowing something to happen mm-hmm. and trying to spin something devastating or hard as positive immediately without allowing that mm-hmm. time for lament or, you know, yeah. the, some of that motive for me has been to defend God or yeah. protect protect him, which is silly. I mean, it's so silly, but just protect him from like, I know God is real. I know he's at work in things. Aww. This person doesn't know that. So I've got to make sure that they know all the possible reasons why this right. could be happening. That can be toxic, I think, because oh, sure. it mm-hmm. can not only not get through. I mean, it's about some of its timing as well, where you're not only not helping that person to become closer to God or mm-hmm. to see clearly, but you might actually be putting a barrier. They might just shut down and be like, oh, if this is how God's people are, I don't need this. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. so that's something I also have to be really careful about is making sure not to feel like it's my job to convince somebody that God is working in their life in a good way when bad things are happening. Yeah. And to not be, you know, shocked when a Christian expresses some raw emotion. Right. You know, like I remember I was, I think I was newly wed and, and it was like, you know, a week after our wedding and a couple from Scott's church took us out to dinner to kind of celebrate with us. And 
we just got to talking about their marriage and they talked about how at one point they're like, yeah, we, we thought we were getting divorced. And I remember like wanting to gasp. I was like a Christian couple thought about divorce. (laughs) And you know, like we, we shouldn't be shocked when like, if I were to come to you and say, um, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Even though the fact that my coffee break maker got stolen meant that I, I don't know, wrote a book that ended up winning a Christie award. I'm still like, I, I hate the person who stole my coffee maker. Okay. So we should be okay hearing that from somebody, even from a Christian. And no, I mean, is that a right attitude? It is not, but that's where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. And Again, there is a fine line. We don't want to enable people, right? So I don't want to just be like, let's say that, um, I don't know, let's say I'm talking to a girlfriend who is having a a lot of marital struggle. Um, My job is to determine, okay, does she need uh, just someone to listen to right now and just kind of to vent, to let that pressure out? Does she need some actual godly wisdom and counsel and perspective Probably what she doesn't need is fuel to the fire. She probably doesn't need mean need. Yeah, he's such a you know bleepity bleep bleep. I can't believe he bleepity bleep bleep did that bleep 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 bleep. Right, like that's probably not helping anybody. But if somebody comes to me and like they start with that amount of like anger and bitterness towards someone, I don't feel like my job is to immediately point out that they're being sinful, right? We can get there and I definitely don't want to add fuel to their fire and kind of um, encourage that. So there is a difference between just enabling someone to stay. Like, I'm sure we all know really miserable people. (laughs) To me, that's a way bigger problem than being a little bit too happy. And, you know, so we don't want to like enable people to just be miserable for their whole lives. I mean, but, but some people you're not going to be able to to do anything anyway. And so maybe it's just someone you don't engage with as much. I don't know. I got kind of rambly. No, I think those are all good points. And, you know, I think the, one of the take-homes is, uh, I think we touched on a lot of the, you know, yes, give people room, give yourself room for lament, for disappointment, for, you know, sitting in your feelings. But I think another take home needs to be gratitude and 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 praise yeah. and thanksgiving is always good. It's always good. Mm-hmm. Like genuine gratitude. Like I have been like just the last few days when we've had sunshine, I, I just I I've gone out and just like I've been really trying to be mindful of giving thanks for the very basic things of like, mm-hmm. thank you, God, for mm-hmm. breath, like Thank you that yeah. I, of all the, you know, of all the chances that I have life, I'm a, I'm a human that's alive today and it has transformed my outlook on the day. Like just to, mm-hmm. just to be like getting back to those basics of thank you that, you know, um, you know, I jammed my finger a few days ago and, and it hurt really bad and it got better more quickly. Like it's almost better now. And so the day after it happened or two days after it happened, when it was feeling like I could move it better, I was just like, thank you, God, for my thumb. Like, yeah, Mm because you're a posable thumb. Like you do way more than you think of with it. So (laughs) anyway, just all of that to say it's like genuine heartfelt gratitude to God at any point in your day. Like 
I'm sorry, there's nothing bad about that. So don't mm-hmm. ever feel like you have to temper your genuine gratitude, even if, you know, maybe someone makes you feel like you're you're too grateful because <laughs> the mm-hmm. genuine gratitude is not, you can't have enough of that. And yeah, anyway. Yeah, no, I think that gratitude is really important. I think especially for positive people, I think that it really helps us protect our positivity. And that it is an important aspect of just kind of maintaining a good mental state. If you're used to being hopeful and optimistic and relatively happy, I think that it's important to recognize the things that suck those emotions, the you know, the negative people or things like that. And I'm not saying to cut it totally out of your life. I think that's the other thing that I dislike about like labeling everything as toxic. Cause as soon as you put that label on it, it sounds like the only recourse is to have nothing to do with it whatsoever, right, you know? And like, it. so yeah, so many babies have gotten thrown out with the bathwater in my opinion for that kind of extreme reaction. But I think that, yeah, if you are a hopeful, optimistic person, and it drags you down to be surrounded by negative things, then I think, first of all, no, don't cut yourself off from every single negative thing in the world, uh, but go into those kinds of things with maybe an extra layer of prayer protection. Um, So I'm thinking about like you and your husband, and when he gets really, really negative, and your inclination is to dig your heels in, maybe you know that you need to protect your own positivity, but you will, you don't force him into your happy bubble, right? You want to stay in your happy bubble, but you're not going to force him right, into it. And that's another, you can't force no, someone into really. a happy bubble. It's going to do the opposite and that's not productive. Yeah. yeah. For either of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But maybe, so maybe he's complaining about the car and the price of gas. And in your mind, you're saying, thank you, God, that our car works. Thank you that we have a full tank of gas. And and so you're still protecting your own kind of positive core without imposing that on him, mm-hmm. right? So well, go ahead. No, 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 finish, finish what you're I think it, just a good takeaway for positive people is, yeah, just protect your own positivity in certain ways like that. Yeah, no, that's great advice. And I think kind of on the flip side, if you are a person who gets really irritated with positive people, um, A, as a person who has looked back and realized that I've been kind of annoyingly positive <laughs> at times, I get it. I get it. And and it's okay. But also ask yourself why, like take some time with God and just be like, okay, because God, we need people that look at things in a more cynical way just like we need every part of the body of Christ. You know, we do need people like I have Mm -hmm. very, (laughs) very little ability to do certain things that my husband is. My husband's incredibly discerning. He's incredibly shrewd when it comes to um, certain things that I would just be like, Oh no, it's fine. So, you know, Mm -hmm. he's, he has a lot of things in the way that he looks at the world don't let anyone make you feel like because you're not Pollyanna that there's something wrong with you. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Alana and I here being more positive people, I think we may have, I I think we did an okay job of kind of being more broad, but if we Mm -hmm. erred on the side of talking more about being a positive person, if you are a person who is not a positive person, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. um, don't, don't be ashamed of how God made you. At the same time, just like we have pitfalls that we talked about, 
ask yourself why being around people that are positive bothers you and mm-hmm. and just be open to maybe God does have some work in that area. Maybe there's an underlying reason. Maybe um maybe there is something in there that that you need to journal through or talk through or, you know, pray through. Yeah. That might be, you know, a root attitude or or a certain issue that's a trigger. Maybe there's certain things that people are positive about that you're like, oh, and maybe it's a pain point in your life that needs healing. Mm-hmm. So be yeah. open to that as well. Just like we're definitely open to areas that we need to grow as. Yeah. I also don't like this polarization though of positive people mm-hmm. and negative people. Cause my husband can be incredibly positive, just like I right. can be incredibly negative. So I, yeah. I don't want to make that more complex than that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Well, your example about your husband being shrewd, I have a really good example for the church. Most churches are all the churches that we've, um, been close enough to to have a good grasp on the finances and stuff have a benevolence fund and so it's special money set aside for um basically like local needs somebody doesn't have money to uh to bury their spouse or somebody does not have money to heat their home or somebody's house burned down and they need kind of an emergency um place to you know to get clothes and food Churches have this benevolence fund and in, in the churches that, like I said, in all the churches that we've been involved in, that I'm involved enough that I know how this all works. It's, there's not just one person in charge of the benevolence fund. Like it goes through kind of a committee because there are some people who would be, oh, any need, no matter what, of course, you know, that's what this money is here for. Um, But people can take advantage of that or it can be um like okay we gave money to this person to fill up their tank of gas so they could get to anchorage and now this family who um i don't know needs two hundred dollars for life-saving medicine we don't have the money in the accounts for that right like those aren't those aren't real life examples but we need people who can look at things shrewdly we need people who can be a little skeptical of people asking for charity. Mm-hmm. We need people who are willing to maybe say, well, let's go into this assuming that, I mean, this sounds terrible to me because I am so positive. I think on a committee like that, you need at least one person who assumes that every single individual in the world is a scammer. Yeah. Right. And that's part of the way that we protect and steward the resources that God has given us. So yeah, I think there's there's absolutely places for, for both. And so just kind of like what you talked about to people who maybe aren't super positive and looking at where that might come from. Um, some of it's cultural, right? Not every culture or subculture or even like family clan is smiling and exuberant. And in some cultures that can even be seen as like brash or it's just not what you do. Right. And so there might be cultural things going on there. Um, but, or, it can be kind of the opposite. Like I grew up in sort of a culture and a subculture and kind of family dynamics where expressing things that we would label as negative emotions was bad, right? So expressing extreme grief or expressing anger, those were not lauded (laughs) qualities. And so yeah, that's, that's partially why I am uncomfortable sitting with 
sad thoughts or angry thoughts or bitter thoughts or ugly thoughts. Um, and so, yeah, I think we can all do a little bit of just kind of examination of where our, our stuff came from mm-hmm. and appreciate that not everybody is wired just like you. And that's a good thing. Amen. I think that's a great Amen. Yeah. Well, thanks everybody for joining us and we will catch you all next time. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you. So please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.